preach from a waterfall, preach from a from a stool and a table. Um, but we're we're just going to have a time this morning of uh, of finishing out chapter two of Philippians. And um, what I want to do this morning is go back to the verses that um, that I preached last week. We're gonna we're gonna look at verses nineteen through thirty again. Um, because I just felt this week I was going to move to chapter three. I told you last week that um, that I thought we would stay in chapter two one more week, and I tried to move to chapter three. And about Thursday of this week, I just said I can't do it. And I think there are some things that I needed to hit on that I didn't hit on last week, and some questions that we can draw from this passage that we need to ask. And so what I'm going to do this morning is. Talk a little bit about Timothy. Talk a little bit about Epaphroditus. But at the end of this this morning, I'm going to give you six application questions that we need to ask of ourselves and really take deep thought in. Are we ascending church? Are we willing to be sent out for the gospel? Um, our, our message this morning is going to be pretty simple on this fact. Partnership in the gospel makes us focus on gospel advancement. Now, gospel advancement is something that you have heard me use over and over and over in this series. Gospel advancement. What exactly does that mean? It means any time that we put Cross Life Church on anything, we need to think about advancing the gospel. Anytime we do an event, anytime we do vacation Bible school, back to school bash, food pantry, any kid event, any youth event, any time those kids get together for Bible study, any time we teach them on Sunday morning, any time we come to worship, it should be about the gospel being advanced. And if it's not about the gospel being advanced, then we don't need to do it. That's a question that we need to ask ourselves any time we talk about doing something here at the church. Is the gospel going to be advanced through this action? Now, there's two reasons I want to unpack this scripture again this morning. The first one's this. Many people today assume that gospel ministry equals becoming less human. This is what I mean by that. We believe and we are told that the Christian life is not fun. We're told that if you're a Christian, you can't have fun on the weekends anymore. If, if you're a Christian, you're not going to be able to have fun in life anymore. There's going to be no joy and no meaning to life. That's what we're told by the world, is it not? Uh, I think people being fully consumed with gospel ministry means you have a Bible in your hand 24-7. I think that's what they, they want us to think. Look, I went to, I don't know how many houses I went to yesterday, door-to-door uh, -door and, and, and just passing out information about Bible school. I know my feet hurt today. Uh, I, wore, I wore sandals. That wasn't smart. Um, but I was reminded about three houses before I finished why the gospel needs to advance on Newsom Road. I won't go into the detail of that conversation, but I was reminded of why I'm doing what I do. And I was on my way home, traveling back to the house, and I, was, and I just said, God, thank you. Thank you for the reminder. 
Because there is a reason that Cross Life Church was planted, and that reason was very obvious yesterday. Um, I, I think about the gospel being advanced. We, we've, we've always got to look at that. The Christian life is not a list of religious rules. Remember, in Scripture, the religious leaders got in trouble for all of their religious rules. Jesus, Jesus told them like it was. That you can follow all these rules that you set, but you're still not following me, as Jesus said. That, that's, that's what we're told. But think about this. Have you ever seen that person that just has it all together? You know, maybe it's the family that you see on Facebook, that you see picture after picture, that, that, that family just looks perfect. Or maybe it's a, it's a preacher in my sense. I look at other pastors. I'm like, man, they, they've got it all together. They pastor a church of a thousand. And this guy, go, he goes to mission trips all the time. He, he's devoted his whole life to serving the Lord every, every waking second of his life. He's, he's there for all the families when, when crisis hits. How does he do it all? How does he juggle it all? And I'll tell you why. It's because he's devoted to gospel ministry. And my question this morning is, are we devoted to the ministry of the gospel that Christ has called us to do? Does that make sense of why this message may be important today? You know, I, I didn't get a hit on all of this last week. I just didn't have time. But, but sometimes partnership and ministry just seems unreal. We're like, there's no way that I can partner with a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There, there's, there's no way that I can partner with a church in New, in, in, in New Hampshire or, or uh, New York or Massachusetts or all the way across the country in California. There's just no way I can do that. I can't, I can't partner with the Hondurans. I can't, I can't partner with the African population. I just can't do it. But I want to show you why we can do it and how we can do it. There, there's another reason that we've got to look at this today, and this is it. Many people today surround themselves with Christian activities to convince ourselves that we're following Jesus. I'm going to throw something out that you might not quite understand yet, but that's what I would call religious addiction. We're always trying to do something else. We use God as a way to avoid Him. It's a joyless, powerless type, and I'll call it churchanity, not Christianity. It's a churchanity. What, is, what it does is pulls us away from the real gospel. You know, we, we've got to be careful what we display out to others. What we display is real and truth of ourselves and the real and raw truth of who Cross Life Church really is. In other words, we, we parade the fake in order to appear real, and that's not what we want to do. When we put stuff out on Facebook and, and social media, we want it to be the real thing. Look, life ain't all hunky-dory all the time, is it? Like, let's, just, let's just be honest. And let's be honest about the church as well. Like, church, church life ain't always 100% great either. There's things that happen. But let's not dwell on those things instead Let's focus on the gospel. It's hard to speak gospel words of life into somebody else if we're not immersing ourselves in Scripture and reading it for ourselves. I want you to ask yourself this question. How much time this week did I devote to reading the Bible? How much time this week did I devote myself in reading the Bible? 
And if you're not happy with that answer, then what are you going to do about it this week? Because the only way the gospel can be advanced is if we immerse ourselves with Scripture. You can listen to me preach every Sunday morning. You can go to, to our growth groups, our ladies groups, our men's groups, our kid groups. You, you can go to all that. You can go to vacation Bible school this week and listen to Alicia teach the kids for four nights. But that's not enough to really grow in our faith. We've got to read it for ourselves. And I believe that's why this is important today. Paul, in this passage, he's given us two perfect examples. One, Timothy. The second one, Epaphroditus. He says, this is why I want to send you, Timothy. And then he says, look at Epaphroditus. This is why I'd really like to send him in this moment. We, we need a, a church full today of Timothys and Epaphroditus's. They weren't perfect people by any means, but they were the real thing. They talked the talk and they walked the walk. And I want us to look at these two examples. The first one's going to come in uh, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verses 19 through 24. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with the father that served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Paul gives us a few things about Timothy here, and I'm going to go through it really quick. Paul says Timothy is unusual. He's an unusual man. In verse 20, Paul says, there's nobody like him. There's nobody else better that he could send. Paul also says that Timothy is sincere. In verse 21, Paul says he is genuinely concerned about Philippi. He's genuinely concerned about the church. He was sincere in what he was doing. He's not going to go in with his own agenda to, to meet a need, to, to make himself look better or look good. He's going with the intent to truly help that church. He also says Timothy is selfless. In verse 21, he says, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. And then Paul brings out that Timothy has been tested. He's been tested. He's proven his worth. Paul has a relationship with Timothy. He is not sending them the leftovers. He's not sending them the worst that is in his group, in his congregation. He's sending the best. He's sending one that is of true worth. And he's sending a tested servant of the Lord. Now let's look at the second example here. Epaphroditus, verses 25 through 30. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Once he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. 
for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. A few quick observations that we can look at with Epaphroditus. This, uh, a standard reader may, may not understand it. And, and look, it's taken me ten weeks to understand what Paul's trying to tell us in Philippians. Um, but one, Epaphroditus is longing for them. He's missing them. He understands that this, this church at Philippi is looking out for him. Epaphroditus is sick. Philippi is wondering what's going on. We haven't heard anything. Epaphroditus hears about that, and he's missing them. We see that in verse 26. We also see that Epaphroditus is distressed because they heard he was ill. He was full of sorrow. We see in verse 27. Paul also brings out that Epaphroditus was eager. He, he, was, he was eager, and we see that in verse 28. We see that he would be less anxious, and that you may rejoice in verse 29 that you will receive him with gladness. It's hard to read this passage and say that, uh, that the gospel partnerships are cold, hard, and unprofessional. Now, that, that's some real raw truth in, in this passage. It, it is the affection that we see between Paul and these two fellow partners in ministry that Paul has uh, began a friendship with, relationship with. There is a life-risking sacrifice here. Remember, these guys were with Paul when he went into prison. Epaphroditus was this brother, this soldier, worker, minister. And in verse 27, he was near to death. And in verse 30, we read that he nearly died and was risking his life to find out how Paul was. So here's the key today. Life-risking sacrifice with heart-wrenching affection. You would think that it's difficult to do both. You, you think about the Navy SEAL or the Marine. Okay, You think about the person that would go jump off the cliff and land in the water as the life risking. But we typically don't put that in the same category as what we're talking about this morning with the longing, the missing, the loving, the tender-hearted, uh, loving like a teddy bear kind of people. What you see in this passage is this longing, sorrowful, joyful, with life sacrifice, ready to risk everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, we've got some people in this congregation today that if you just saw them on the street, you may say, man, I don't want to mess with him. But I like to think that everybody in this place is a big teddy bear. That we are loving. That we want to we wanna love people with Jesus. That, that, that we, don't, we really don't want to have to beat anybody up. <laughs> uh, we, we, don't, we don't want to, to go after the person that looks at our daughter different. Or, uh, but, but listen. Paul is like, that's what we long for in ministry. We, we long for those people who are affectionate, 
who not just have the inside actions, the inside affections, but the outside actions. It's, it's perfectly woven together into this passage. Inside, outside, heart affections, life actions. A connection between the two. Genuine love and, and, and real sacrifice. And the beautiful, the beautiful thing about this is when comparing this to other religions in the world, that this is something that only God, the, the Creator God, who we worship can produce. He's the only one that can produce the loving and affectionate heart that Christ would have. And if you want to know what is real, what do you do? You find out what is fake. And so I want to give you a few things this morning of what is real in this passage and what is real in Scripture and maybe what is fake as well. We see in Mark chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, I won't read it for, for time's sake, but what you're saying is not matching what you say your heart is. I, I, once again, I met a lady yesterday in this, in this neighborhood. Her, her actions were not showing me the life of a believer, although she was telling me everything about her church. Uh, you know, we, we have to make sure that we match what we're saying and what we're doing to what we believe. And if we're not doing that, and we're trying to teach somebody else that you need to live that way, that's hypocritical. Let's just be honest. If we're telling somebody they shouldn't say those words, but yet the next word out of your mouth is that word, that's hypocritical. If we're doing something that we tell others that they shouldn't be doing because that's a, a sin, you need to look at yourself if you're doing that. We need to practice what we preach. Uh, we also see in, in James chapter 1 that the, the head and tongue can be disconnected. Hey, the tongue is powerful, if you didn't know that. And sometimes my tongue says things before I really think about what I'm about to say, and it becomes disconnected in my thoughts. Have you ever, man, have you ever done that in your marriage? Have you ever, have you ever said something, and, and, and you're like, man, I shouldn't have said that, and then, and then you got to live with it? Don't, Tiff, I don't do that, do I? Uh, um, or maybe, maybe your kid is around. You got a four. I got a four-year-old at home. Okay, and and there's things that we don't want her to say, and then Tiff looks at me like, <clears throat> you know, and and you try to teach them, but look, if anybody is younger than you, kid-wise, okay. We need to teach them right. And the only way to teach them right is they see it in you. They see it in you first. You can't expect your child to grow up reading the Bible if they don't see their parents reading the Bible at home. You can't expect your kid to grow up listening to worship music if you ain't listening to it yourself. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. They're just not going to pop on the radio tomorrow morning and say, man, I'm going I'm to turn on some K-Love. When they haven't ever heard the word K-love. Or you just can't expect them to do that. You got to teach them. It's called, it's called discipleship. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the heart and the life are disconnected as well. 
If I have not loved you, I have gained nothing. The Bible says, if you have all of those powers, but you don't have a heart of love, you have nothing. And in this, you do more damage than good. And then 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our words and deeds cannot be disconnected. He's saying words are one thing, but if you aren't living it out, and people aren't seeing it, all you have is words. And, and a lot of times, words will only carry you but so far. You've heard me say it before, words are dangerous. And once you say it, you can't take it back. You can't change that situation. And you can do a hundred things right, <laughs> but they're always going to remember that one instance. And that's just the way it is. So what I want us to do this morning as we try to close out chapter chapter 2 and really this first half of uh, Philippians, and as we look forward to chapter 3 and, and starting that next week, I want us to, to start looking at some questions. You see, in all of our lives, there have been disconnects, and that's okay. We have to know how to deal with our disconnects. And so I want to encourage you today, whatever it is that's disconnected you to the gospel, own your disconnects. Own up to them. Part of becoming fully human is becoming unmasked. You, you start seeing who you really are. Back in September of last year, I remember September the 13th, I was in this seminar. Okay, and, and this guy was talking to me and a bunch of associational leaders, and, and I was just blessed to be able to go on that trip. And he's talking to me about being uh, not only spiritually fit, but being nutritionally fit and, and all that good stuff. Okay, This guy's talking to me, and we had just broke out for snack time, and then they bring this life coach out. And in one hand, I've got a Mountain Dew, and I've got another Mountain Dew sitting to my side, because that's for later. You know, when you go to seminars, you just get what they give you, and, and you go ahead and take it then. Um, and then I had a bag of potato chips in my other hand. And this guy's talking to me about not being just spiritually fit, but nutritionally fit as well. He said, you can't, you can't preach the gospel and tell your church to act one way if you've got a sin in your life. And you're dealing with it another way. And I remember that. And that, and that really took a hold of me. Man, I, I threw a half, a half a can of soda away that day. A half a bag of chips away that day. And I said, I'm going to get it right. And so what did I do? I got home and I told Tiffany I was going to start going to the gym again. And um, started, I started working out. I remember getting on the treadmill for the first time at the gym. And man, I used to, like, in my younger days, I know I'm only 31, but in my younger days, okay, when I was like 14, 15 years old, I could run three miles like it was nothing. I mean, I, we, used to, we used to run three miles in wrestling practice in our sleep. And, and we, had to, we, had to do, we had to do those three miles in under seven, eight minutes. All, you know, so, so three miles in 21 minutes is what our coach expected of us, no matter how much we weighed. That's what he expected. And if we didn't do it, then we had to do it again the next day. 
And so we just, we just got fit. Okay? And so I get on the treadmill for the first time, and after about 30 seconds, I am give slap out. And it was embarrassing. It really was. And, and I remember I was able to go about three-quarters of a mile the first day, and, and I walked some. Okay, The next day, I felt a little better. The next day, I, I felt a little better. A week went by. I was up to a mile and a half. A month went by. I was hitting three miles. Then I went to the elliptical. I talked to a guy at Planet Fitness, and he's like, I was talking to I get shin splints really bad. I've had them my whole life, even even when I was in middle school. If I if I ran any kind of distance, shin splints were, were my thing. And I talked to him, he's like, Man, get on the elliptical, you won't feel it as bad. I get on the elliptical and it's like three miles is nothing. And then I worked myself up to four miles, and I worked myself up to five miles, and before I knew it, I was on that thing for an hour at a time. Seven, seven and a half miles, and and, and dropping the weight like crazy. And, and feeling good. I was sleeping better. Tiffany said I won't snore no more. Uh, I was finally living a good life and felt good. But then I started tutoring. I started getting off track a little bit. Because you see, my tutoring time was my gym time. Well, then about that same time, remodel began. And so all of my time started coming away. And I started becoming unfit and unfit. And you see how quick it is to, to get off base? I remember I, I, I got on our elliptical at home just a few weeks ago, and, man, I about died after two miles. Like, I, I literally died, went to heaven, and came back to earth. No joke. Like, <laughs> I've never sweated that much in my life. But I was getting physically unfit again. And so this week, I've tried to do better. Um, it's easier the second time around. I, I, dropped, I dropped weight pretty quick uh, this week and just trying to get back fit. But, but this is the thing. They say that in order to stay spiritually fit, like reading your Bible, you have to read your Bible consecutively for about 30 days straight for you to get in that habit. And so you can't just pick it up on Monday and read it all the way through the week and think next week's going to be easy. Because it's not. And this is the thing. If you miss one day, you're going to miss another day. And then you're going to miss another day because it just becomes easy to miss a day. And so we have to own our disconnect. So I'm telling you this morning, my disconnect over the last three months of my life is I haven't been able to work out like I want to work out. And so I want you to hold me accountable for that. And what I want you to do is you've got, I don't know how many people on campus today, but find you an accountability partner in this church, and y'all keep each other accountable. And if there's something that you're struggling with, that, that you are deeply struggling with, find that partner that will do life with you, because it's easier to do it together. I can promise you that. If you're struggling reading the Bible, tell somebody. If you're struggling learning how to pray, tell somebody. Because the only way to do it is together. There was a reason that I put it on Facebook every day. Because that was my accountability that I went to the gym. And guess what? When I stopped putting it out there, people were, people were texting me. 
Hey, how are you doing? I have a, I have a pastor friend. His name's Quintel Hill. He's the he's the pastor of Multiply Community Church. He's our uh, vice president of state convention. And my prayer is in November he'll be the president of state convention. And uh, Quintel's an awesome guy. Love him. Uh, we were the first church, a uh, church plant that supported Multiply Community Church in 2018 financially. By the way, uh, after today's service, we're giving $2,200 to missions for quarter two giving, by the way. I wanted, to, wanted you to know that. $2,200. Praise God for that. Because of your giving, we're able to do that. We're able to help people like Quintel and Multiply Community. But, but Quintel and I started working out, and we were each other's accountability almost. Like, he would post on Facebook, I would post on Facebook. He would post on Facebook, I would post it. And we were, we were cheerleaders on the sidelines for each other. And when you got those people in your life, life becomes better. It becomes easier. And so whatever your disconnect is today, find it. Find your partner. It could be your spouse. It doesn't matter. But find your partner and own that disconnect. Because it is your disconnect. It's not, it's not anybody else's. And the only way to, to get over that disconnect is to start working on it today. And so let's get into the questions. There's six questions. I'm going to try to move through them pretty quick. Number one, do you play it safe when it comes to gospel ministry? This is our application for today. Do, do you play it safe when it comes to gospel ministry? Meaning, when you feel led to do something by God, do you pull away from that? Or do you embrace it? Only you and God know your true heart on this. Hey, only you and God knows what He is calling you to do. I, I'm not saying go do something just to do it because that will be an empty ministry. But like, I'm not asking you to go pass out gospel information, gospel tracts and Bibles in the middle of the Caribbean hoping to meet the pirates and, and show up on the canoe and show them Jesus and, and turn them away from their sin and their wicked ways. Like, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to go to the jungle of Kenya to reach these people for the gospel. I'm asking you to do what God has called you to do. And what's he called you to do? Look, Jesus knows if we're sold out for him or if we're just putting on the show. He, he knows that. We aren't, we aren't talking about being courageous just to be courageous. Look, if you want to be courageous this week, take my job being a handkerchief or a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Uh, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Uh, you know, if you want to be courageous, to come do a skit in front in front of a bunch of kids. That's terrifying, man. Like it's courageous to do those things. And look at Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus has risked his life, and all that he had to do was basically be a mailman. That's all he had to do. He literally went from Philippi to Rome, which was, we found out last week, that wasn't an easy trip. He had to sail across the ocean blue and, and do all that good stuff. He traveled a long ways to get there. But literally, his only job was to go to Rome and check on Paul. That was it. The church of Philippi says, here, take some money, take some supplies, and go to Paul and check on him. He's taking a message from a body of believers to a brother in prison. It's not a spectacular event. It doesn't always have to be this resume booster. 
you know, what have you done? Paul says, well, you know, Epaphroditus, he says, I took some supplies over to Paul. I think one of the pits and myths we fall into gospel ministry is this. If it's not spectacular, it's not the Spirit. I think we, we sometimes think we have to put these grand events on. That we have to be different from any other church. That we have to, to put the best Bible school on. Look, Jesus is going to show up whether we got great decorations or not. Dory, you did a great job with our decoration. <laughs> Praise God for it. But Jesus is going to be here tomorrow night no matter what this place looks like, as long as our hearts are here. And Jesus will show up because we put the time and the effort in. But Paul says sometimes all you need to do is, is go next door and be transparent, build a relationship with your neighbor, your coworker. We've got to be willing to confess our own failures and help confront others. Continuing to live in sin is not the answer. You know, we, we talked about the religious addiction. The religious addict typically is focused on image and how something will make them feel or uh, how something will make them look. Who, who is God and what he has called us to do? Is he, is he telling me to deliver a message to someone? I'll do it even, even if, if we haven't gotten along in the past. That's okay. The gospel truth can sometimes sting. Or are we okay playing ministry safe and saying, you know, God's calling me to this, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't, I don't want anybody to know about it. I'm just going to go home. I'm going to deal with it myself. And I'm going to play it safe. So do you play it safe when it comes to ministry? Number two, do you withdraw from relationship? When, when something goes wrong, do, do you withdraw yourself Instead of staying in the fight, my motto for the last two or three years, ever since the Nationals won the World Series, and by the way, they ain't going to win it this year. Um, they're, 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 they're long from it, man. They, they, they just got their 30th win in 80-some games this, this week, and it's, it's a, a tough year to be a Nationals fan, but I'm not going to withdraw myself from the relationship with the Nationals. Like, that's just, I'm a diehard fan, okay? But... When they were winning, when they went to win the World Series that year, their motto was stay in the fight. And I was like, man, we were in the middle of church planning. COVID was about to hit. And I said, we need to stay in the fight. And so my motto for my family, my motto for myself, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. If, if Timothy and Epaphroditus would have withdrew from their relationship when Paul went to prison, this idea of being sent out would have never happened. If they would have disconnected, the Philippian church would have been left out. Think about it for a moment. Maybe, maybe you're the person that has had a bad experience, and because of that experience, your walls have gone up. Did you know that's common? It, it is common for the walls to go up. Look, if somebody wrongs me, if, somebody, if I lose trust in somebody, the, the number one thing that happens in my life is my wall goes up. Ask Tiff, ask anybody. Anybody that is close to me knows my wall goes up because once you lose my trust, it's hard to gain it back. I'll give anybody my trust, but if you lose it, it's hard to gain back. And, and if you've been in that situation before, I understand it. I've been there. You're not ready to throw God to the side. You're still a follower of Jesus. You just want nothing to do with that group. So we withdraw from the relationship. 
Jesus says this, though, you can't disconnect me from my people. Listen, if, if you've been in a, in a church before that has hurt you in the past, I'm sorry. I, I, I am so sorry. Because that's not my God's will. And, and, and I pray that you have found a, a safe haven, a safe place here at Cross Life Church. That, that's my prayer, a place that, that you can be loved. That, that's one of the reasons that, that mine and Tiffany's heart went to church planting so much. Because we've been in ministry together now for almost nine years. And, and, and we, have, we have done it, and we have done life together, and, and we are embracing it. We're about to be married for eight years in August, and, and she was by my side when I was a youth pastor before we got married, and we, we saw it. She's been in churches her whole life. I've been in churches my whole life. People just being hurt. And we said, cross life cannot be that place. We wanted it to be a place that, that you look forward to coming to on Sunday morning. A place that you couldn't wait to get there and gain relationship with people. The next question is, is more for me than for you. But I, I feel like I need to ask it to myself this morning. And some of you will laugh when I ask this question. Do you take time to rest? Do, do you ever take time to rest? Um, I'm a worker. So no, I don't like to rest. I, I, I really don't. And this is the thing. I, I, find, I find my identity in productivity. That's just me. Um, I feel like I can make God happy with me when I get things done. Did I not put that question on a slide? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not one to sit around and, and surf Facebook from, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not one to, to sit on Facebook when I'm at my desk in my office. Like, like usually if you see me in the office, that means I'm getting something done. Um, most likely working on ministry stuff, preparing a sermon, getting ready for a, uh, a counseling or whatever. You know, honestly, uh, lately, I don't know about you, but, but surfing social media is not for me. Um, it, is, it angers my soul um, because I see people act in ways they shouldn't be acting. Um, if it wasn't for the church Facebook page, I probably wouldn't have one. Um, Instagram, all that stuff, like I, I just wouldn't have it. But I do it for gospel ministry. And so if I miss one of your posts that, that you post, most likely I haven't read it. Uh, I literally share the, the church stuff off of a, another app on a business app, and, and I very rarely will surf Facebook. And I usually surf it for about 15 seconds before I get upset, and I just close down the app. You know, so, but do you see it here? Sometimes we get to the point that we feel like we can just produce our way to a happy relationship with God. You know, if that was the case, then the cross would ultimately be unnecessary. Listen, our, our standing did not come from our productivity, but instead it came directly from the grace of God. The biggest need is to rest in the arms of Jesus. And as we get ready for Vacation Bible School this week, whether you're ready or not, the time is here. Whether you've prepared your lessons or prepared your, your station or not, the time is here. And, and, and whether you've prepared like you, you've needed to, it's here. Whether you've studied the lessons that you are teaching and you've written them on your heart, it is here. You better get studying. You better be getting ready. And now comes the resting in the arms of Jesus so that he can do the work. 
I'm not worried about this week. Like, you know, Thomas stresses about a lot of things, but VBS has not been one that I've stressed over. It just hasn't. I, I'm not stressed over the registration. I'm not stressed over the numbers. I did children and youth ministry for eight years, and I know how VBS is. Tomorrow night, I'll tell you how it's going to be. Tomorrow night, you're going you're gonna to hit about 60 kids. Okay, that, that's going to be my projection. We're going to hit about 60, 65 kids. Tuesday night is going to be our highest night. It's going to be our highest night. Wednesday night, guess what? Some of these kids that come to our church are going to go to their church on Wednesday night. So expect a low night Wednesday night. And Thursday night, you're going to be back up, and we're going to celebrate baptism. I'm going to go ahead and claim that because kids are going to get saved. That's how VBS is going to go. Okay? I pray we hit the 100. I, I'm claiming the 100. But I also understand that God's going to have his way no matter how it looks and what happens. God's going to have his way. Our, our directors have done an amazing job. Our decorators have done an amazing job. Our leaders who are going to lead Bible school are going to do an amazing job. I am not stressed at all over the next four days because I know that my God is in control. And so I'm telling you, have faith that God is going to do great things. We are going to have a monumental week at Vacation Bible School and at Cross Life Church. It's going to be good. And I'm asking you today to truly rest. And we get so wrapped up in the activities that we forget to spend time one-on-one -on -one with God. And this week, sometime during the day, can you just take a moment and rest and pray at the same time every day for Vacation Bible School? Can we do that at 3 o'clock every day this week and pray for Vacation Bible School? Pray for the preparation. Maybe lead a, a little a scripture and just be alone with God 3 o'clock every day this week. Let's pray together. Number four, are, are you willing to learn? Are, are you willing to learn? Uh, here, here's, here's a little newsflash for, for all of us. We never stop growing as believers. And growing is a necessity in the Christian walk. We, we never can learn too much. But the question is, how willing are we to listen? That's how I want to look at it. Everyone has their expertise. If I was going to get my car fixed, I would go to a mechanic that is a professional mechanic and get that vehicle diagnosed and the person with the expertise to fix my car. I would not go and try to change it myself because Thomas can't do it. Okay, I know that. Maybe it's learning a new skill. You're going you're gonna to go to the expert. We have to be okay with, with knowing that there are people around us that have more biblical knowledge and way more understanding of the way the walk of a believer goes. Listen, there are many of you that have more biblical knowledge than I will. I promise you that. If I have biblical questions, I go to other pastors. I go to other lay leaders, and I talk to them. We've got to be willing to learn and not act like we have it all together. When you are on mission and in Jesus together, learning should be something that is contagious in the church as a family. Timothy and Epaphroditus were in this position that they were in with Paul because they were willing to grow and they were willing to listen and to be a team with Paul. Many people today are the exact opposite of that. And I long for today that we have a church of people full that are eager to learn and eager to be discipled and are lining up at the door to grow in their faith. 
I long for today that we have people that are sent out in the name of Jesus, just like Timothy and Epaphroditus. I long for today that growth comes from spiritual growth, that new families flock in because you're inviting your families, you're inviting your coworkers, you're inviting your neighbors, that we just aren't waiting for the next one to come in, that we aren't just waiting for the next visitor to walk through the door, but instead we are expecting them to come because we have done our part in the mission of the church and inviting other people to come be a part of it. In August, you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity to learn and grow. And, and we're going to be offering a discipleship class. One is going to be here on campus, and the other is going to be on, on a Zoom-type format. And, and, and this is slated to start the first week of August. I'm going to teach it. Tip's going to co-teach it with me some. It's something that we feel that we need in this season for the church. And let's, let's take that challenge on. Like, I would love to look at the sign-up here in the next few weeks and see that 100% of the church has signed up to be discipled. I would love that. That we would grow, that we would learn. And the more that we would grow, the more that we would learn. And the more that we would grow, we would be more like Jesus. The next question. And I'm going to wrap it up, I promise. Have you taken ownership? Have you taken ownership? You know, I... This is a big question. Things, things don't get accomplished by themselves. And as a church, I think sometimes we just think if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it, and that's not the way to look at it. For four years, almost, four years next week since we planted Crosslife Church, three years as a launch church, four years as a, as a, as a church growing together, for four years, I think sometimes the mentality is, if I don't do it, Pastor Thomas is going to pick up the slack. And I'm going to tell you today that PT ain't doing it. You've got to take ownership in the church. It's not, it's not the pastor's job to keep driving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide us. I'm going to lead us the way God wants us to be guided and led. But church, I need you. Because when, when we go back to question number three, do you take time to rest? Maybe PT and his family haven't rested much lately. And we need the church to take ownership. Take ownership in the ministry. Take ownership in vacation Bible school. Take ownership in the back to school bash. Take ownership in your ministry. Because the more that you take ownership, the more that you're going to see God move. God's blessing me. He's blessing my family through our efforts. I know that. But I want to see Him bless the church through your efforts. And the only way to do that is when we come collectively together. And I'm going to keep using that word monumental. We're going to have a monumental time together when that happens. Number six, last one. What have you done? Or what are you doing to further the kingdom of God? What are you currently doing to further the kingdom of God? We, we need to be kingdom seekers and kingdom promoters. It's not as much about promoting the name of Cross Life Church as it is about the name of Jesus. That, that's what it's really about. 
And, and as, as we have VBS this week, let's thank King. Every child that walks through these doors, whether they're a child here at Crosslight Church or a child that we've never seen before, let's look at them and say they need Jesus. They need the kingdom. And the only way that they're going to see the kingdom is through us. Because we are the messengers this week. Even, even if you have a small job, even if you're kind of behind the scenes, and you're just making sure things are rolling the way they're supposed to roll, they're seeing kingdom in you. Even, even if you're somebody just going to float around and you're not really signed up to do anything, they're looking at you. They're watching you. They're listening to you. They're listening to your conversations. Be kingdom focused. And the more that you put yourself in a kingdom focused mindset, the more that we will display Jesus. But what are you currently doing? I'm not asking, what is the church doing? What are you doing to help the kingdom? Hey, what are you doing in the church to maybe help further the kingdom? If you've maybe been attending for the last six months or so, what, what have you done in the last three months to help the church promote the kingdom? The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And if we can take away one thing, just one thing from Philippians chapter 1 and 2, that's we should be kingdom-minded. And that's our call today, to be kingdom-minded, to be kingdom-focused, to be kingdom-seeking. Think about it. Paul, this, this man thrown into prison for proclaiming the gospel, He's in prison, still preaching the gospel. We find out in chapter 1. Talking about all the things that he desires for the church at Philippi. And ends in chapter 2, speaking of Timothy and Epaphroditus, who were also risking their lives for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm not telling you this morning to be kingdom focused. You've got you to go out there and die. Like, I, I don't want to see that. I really don't. But what I'm saying is for us to be kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused, we got to move our feet. we got to get out there and start promoting the name of Jesus with other people. And the only way to do that is to make up your mind this morning that I'm going to be that person. That I'm going to be kingdom-minded. That I'm going to be kingdom focused and that all throughout my life I'm going to seek the kingdom of God because listen life doesn't end here it doesn't end here at all when life is over my prayer is you see the kingdom I know where I'm headed that's why I don't worry about death told you, Tiff, Tiff don't like talking about death with me. I love it. I'm ready. I'm prayed up and I'm ready to go. And if the Lord saw fit to take me out today, you don't cry over me. Because I'm ready to see the kingdom. I'm ready to rest in the arms of Jesus. And I hope you are too, but maybe you're not. And maybe today, maybe today, you need to ask yourself, do I really know Jesus? Does Jesus know me?
Do I have a personal relationship with him? A, a person that I can talk to when nobody else listens? A person that I can go to when I have nobody else to go to? A person that I can believe in when nobody else believes in me? That's my Jesus. And listen, we've had some hard conversations the last couple of weeks. Me and, me and God's had it out. <laughs> and me and my family, we've had it out. But I'm telling you, we're here. And we love you. And the reason that we do this is because we love people. And we love Jesus. And we want to see people be connected to Jesus. And the only way to do that is to keep the feet moving, keep the head up, and keep moving forward. And the only way that we can do that as a church is to keep the ship moving forward and knowing what is ahead and saying the best days are still to come and to really believe that. And so I'm asking, I'm flipping the page today to a new chapter. Literally, we're flipping next week to chapter 3, but right now we're flipping the church to a new chapter as well. And say, right now, today, Every event that we do, it's all about sharing the name of Jesus. Every Bible study that we have, it's all about proclaiming the name of Jesus. Every prayer that is prayed, it's all about proclaiming the name of Jesus. Every child that walks in here, it's about showing them Jesus. It's not to be a consumer mentality church at all. That's what people want to say. This consumer mentality. You're 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 conforming to the world. You're preaching in Fruit Loop socks. You're you're doing you're doing crazy things. Look, if it's going to take some of those things to get kids excited about Jesus and get some people in the church excited about VBS, we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it again next week. But let's be kingdom focused, kingdom minded, kingdom centered. Praise team, y'all come on. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now for a movement of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would understand how great you are, how good you really are. God, you are a good God. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, his name is Jesus, to die on that cross for us. And Lord, I pray today that if there is somebody in this place that has never met Jesus Christ, that they would turn their life to Him today. Lord, that it would be an authentic relationship this time. Maybe in the past they thought they've had it figured out. But God, this morning they've realized that they're not resting in the arms of You. And God, we want every person in this place to leave this place knowing that they are resting in Your arms. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm asking You today to keep us kingdom-minded to keep us kingdom focused, to keep us kingdom seeking. And Lord, if it's nothing to do with that, Lord, that, that we wouldn't have anything to do with it. But God, would you help us? Would you help those that are in leadership roles today in this church have the mindset to be kingdom focused, to create the events and to create the atmosphere that we need to be kingdom minded, 
And Lord, as we go out and we share the gospel with others, that it would be kingdom seeking. Lord, it's not about getting people to come to Cross Life Church. It would be nice. But Lord, there are many gospel preaching churches out there that we could team up with and be partners together in the ministry, that it's not about us. It's about us being together on mission. But Lord, would you call us to that today? Would you have your way, have your will, move during this time how you need to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Great are you,